Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Let's stand and welcome Miss Jennifer Costell. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Let's continue to stand and give our Lord and Savior a standing ovation today. Give him praise in the house of God today. Praise him. He is worthy of all of our praise today. He is worthy. He is our majestic king. He is our Lord. He is our Messiah. He is our redeemer. He is our healer. The great I am, the ancient of days, the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, God. You're worthy, 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 worthy of all of our praise, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. I am so excited to be here. You may be seated. So excited to be here today. God has sent me with a strong word for his people. I believe a life-changing word for his people. Romans 13, 7 commands us, however, to give honor where honor is due. And I honor the angel of this house, Pastor Tom Hauser and First Lady Jenny Hauser. I honor Pastor Willie and his beautiful co-pastor, Nilsa. I honor them as the leaders of this body right now. Stand to your feet and honor them. They are worthy. They labor for you. They watch over your souls. Pastor Tom and Pastor Willie stand against COVID-19 for you. Thank God for the leaders of this house that have answered the call. I honor all the staff, Sarah, that anointed singing. I honor the dance team. It is indeed time to roar. It is indeed time for the church to roar and to stand and be the body of Christ that we are commanded to be. It is our time. It is our season. It is our time to roar against racism, to roar against cancer, to roar against injustice, to roar. As the body of Christ, roar. We cannot be silent. We must roar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor say, you must roar. That was so powerful. I remember when I met the Savior. I remember how he healed me of being raped at age nine and thrown in a lake for dead. I remember how he healed me of many generations after generations after generations of women being raped and abused and no one speaking against it. And when God healed me and delivered me, I will not be silent. And then when the enemy came against my body in 2015 with breast cancer, I had to roar with the Word of God and took out the sword and cut his head off. And then God healed me. And then out of nowhere, because of all that our ministry does in prisons and being a death row pastor in North Carolina at that time, and what he had planned through the House of Hope and delivering women out of sex trafficking and drug abuse, all of a sudden I knew the enemy was going to attack again, and God showed me the attack, and he put cancer back on my body. And I remember saying, you shall not cross the bloodline. You shall not take my life. 
I bind you, you spirit of cancer, in the name of Jesus. You will not stop me from my destiny in the name of Jesus Christ. And I stand before you whole. I stand before you cancer free. And that devil will never attack me again in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are the children of God. We can do what he says we can do. Recently, as I was worshiping and praising God, and I honor my husband, I call him my big daddy right back there, that six-foot-six hunk of burning love that Jesus gave to me 29 years ago. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm shouting for Jesus, and sometimes I'm shouting for the man that Jesus gave me. Come on now. Let's be real. I'm a woman preacher. And I was worshiping, and he had told me, he said, I want to put a cross on our property. And he said, I want to make it out of a tree. And he said, I want it to be high. And I remember thinking, well, that's not big enough. You can't, you know how we try to take over when God has given our husband something. Can I give a witness here? And I remember I was worshiping in the den, and I was just thanking God for all that he had done over my life and our family. And I was just, I was worshiping with Kurt Franklin's song, This World Needs Jesus. And I was just weeping and thanking God. And I turned around and I heard the chainsaw in my backyard. And there stood a gorgeous cross in my backyard. And I came unglued and the Holy Spirit said, where the cross stands. When you remember my cross, the enemy cannot cross the bloodline. And we, as the people of God, carry the cross within us. We have the blood of Jesus flowing through our very veins. We are anointed of the Most High God. And He sees you today. He sees you. When the Lord poured this word into me over the past week, and I heard as clearly as I've ever heard, the Lord said to title this sermon, I see you. The I here is God. God sees you. Look at your neighbor, say, God sees you. How powerful. To know God sees you. June Hunt, an amazing psychologist that I respect and research her writings, says that all humans are created with three God-given inner core needs that must be met for us to live a successful life. And when I looked at these three things, they screamed, I see you, says God. The first thing is that we must know that we are loved. The second thing is we must know our lives have meaning and purpose. The third thing is we must know that we are accepted and we belong. When you realize that God sees you, it changes everything. When you realize that he cares exactly what you're going through. When you realize he is looking down on his creation. He sees the civil unrest in the United States of America. He sees the injustice that has been done in our land from the beginning of the creation of the United States of America. He sees COVID-19. He sees everything going on. And he sent me with a word to you, a rhema word, which means a word directly from God to you and you alone. Look at your neighbor say, she's bringing me a word today. Come on now, women, this isn't just for your husbands today. Come on, men of God, this isn't for your wives. This is for you. 
If you'll stand to your feet to honor the Word of God and open your iPhones, your Samsungs, your iPads, or go old school with me and open your Bible, let us turn our attention to God's most powerful force in this earth besides His very Spirit, the Word of God. There is nothing more powerful than the Word of God. That's why the enemy fights you in reading the Word of God. That's why the enemy fights you in memorizing the word of God. That's why the enemy is terrified if you say his word in the atmosphere because it will change the atmosphere like that when you decree and you declare what thus saith the Lord God Almighty. John chapter 4, St. John. I love John because... He always said that he was the one the Lord loved the best. <laughs> Don't you know he got on all those disciples' nerves? Talking about he thinks God loves him the best. He loves me the best. Look at your neighbor say, he loves you the best. If we get that mentality of how much he loves us, it changes everything. Starting in verse 4. But he, meaning Jesus, needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which that is noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And you may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. The context of this scripture is extremely important to realize that Jesus had just begun his ministry, and he was getting a lot of attention. This young rabbi was not only eloquent in his speaking, but everywhere he went, anyone that came near him, and the scripture is clear, that said he healed them all. So out of nowhere, the religious leaders became very indignant. And the, in the beginning of this chapter, it says that Jesus was baptized in more people than John. And the Pharisees found themselves extremely disturbed by this. So Jesus needed to go to Samaria. He was actually going to Judea, or Galilee rather. He was going to Galilee, and to do that, Jews would go, and they would not dare go into Samaria. They would travel many, many hours, many, many miles around, so they would not even touch the ground where the Samaritans lived. They despised the Samaritans. They called them mixed breeds. They looked at them as dogs. And they would not even go into their city at all cost. 
But verse 4 said, Jesus needed to go to Samaria. See, I love that our Lord did not mind as the creator of the universe and the creator of all human beings, the creator of every race that walks upon this earth. The Lord did not mind coming and breaking through racial barriers. He did not mind busting social barriers wide open. He did not mind telling the religious people that they were hypocrites. He spoke truth only. Therefore, Jesus went to Samaria. I was so struck by this that the long hatred that was between the Jews and the Samaritans, and through my research and different theologians, I found out it was exactly what we have seen in this country recently. It was racism. The Holy Spirit said, look up the definition of racism and see how the Jews and the Samaritans felt about each other. Prejudice, discrimination, hatred directed toward someone of a different race based on the belief that one's race is superior to another. You know what is glorious about the church? You know what is glorious about following Jesus? It truly is a place where all races are to be celebrated. It truly is a place that great humility takes place. It's truly a place of great diversity. When we stand before the throne, we will see every tribe, every tongue, every race celebrating our Lord and our Savior. The church is the place where healing must begin in what is happening in this country. We cannot miss our moment. We must not miss this moment. And truly be the church. As pastor said, at the highest levels. I speak under the anointing of the living God right now. That at the highest levels of our country, that racism be exposed and the giant be taken down with the word of God. That his head be cut off in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I am so sure that those disciples, when the Lord said, I need to go to Samaria. I am sure they thought, what are you talking about? You are a Jewish rabbi, and you need to go to Samaria. I'm sure they were very uncomfortable. I'm sure they didn't know how to act. Can I get a witness here? Let's break the word down for what it is. We're not patty-caking anymore. Lives are being killed. Injustice is being done. And I am telling you, they were very uncomfortable. I will leave this subject after I say this. That it is time for our churches to get very uncomfortable. It is time to have conversations we've never had. It is time to do things we've never done. It is time for repentance to hit that's never been hit before. And I believe this church and I believe under your leadership that God wants to heal this city and a revival hit this nation. And we shall see God do mighty things, Pastor Tom. What is happening in our nation? has to be healed in the church. Just as Jesus needed to go to Samaria, Jesus Christ needed to come to Global River today. He needed to come in this sanctuary today. Jesus, see every, every ounce of pain in your body. 
Jesus sees what's going on in your families. Jesus sees your prodigal children that are not acting like the children you raised them to be. Jesus sees all of the hurt that you have suffered as a child, either through racism or through abuse or feeling like you are invisible. Jesus sees every pain in your body physically right now. Jesus sees everything happening to you right now. Jesus sees it. And today you are going to receive an anointing. You're going to receive fire. You're going to receive a refreshing. You're going to see God open the windows of heaven and do for you once you realize he sees you nobody has to ask you to pray nobody has to ask you to come to an altar when you know he sees you he sees your fear over COVID-19 he sees the high risk people that can't be in our gatherings right now God gives us wisdom. Come on now. Gives us wisdom. He sees those of you at home and the enemy is tormenting your mind. He sees it all. Jesus had to go to Samaria. I love the name of the town that he went toward. Went to. It's so important to grasp this. He went to Sychar, 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 a city of falsehood, a city of shame, a city of reproach, a city of drunkenness. I was delivered from alcohol. And when you are drunk, you don't feel anything. When you have one beer or one um, bottle of vodka after another bottle of vodka, you stop feeling. And many of us have stopped feeling because what's been done in our childhoods, many of us have been stopped feeling for what's been done to us. Sometimes not this church, but many churches have wounded many soldiers. Now, as a church, we stop feeling. As a church, we have shame. As a person, we feel reproach. I sense in the name of Jesus the women that have been abused in this very room. That's one of the highest anointings I operate under. I can sense that reproach because I used to feel that reproach to age 31 when Jesus completely delivered me. Reproach meaning you feel disapproved. Total disapproval. Like your voice doesn't matter anymore. Sychar, a place of falsehood. How many of us have believed lies all of our lives? How many of us have thought we didn't matter? I remember I wrote in my life story a chapter called The Invisible Child. I didn't know Jesus saw me. We are a hurting people today. Jesus sees the confusion that is hitting the oppression, that's hitting the spirits of witchcraft, that's coming against the mind of the people of God, trying to stop us as we get ready to roar the way we were created to roar. And in the name of Jesus, we are coming out of Sychar. We have no need to be reproached. We have no need to feel shame. We have no need to feel our voice doesn't matter. Because Jesus is saying, I see you. I see you. He sees you crying at night. He sees you behind closed doors. And you're so tired. Jesus sat at the well at noon weary. There's been a spirit of weariness. He's a rabbi. But yet he had to sit at the well, weary, on a mission from God. 
the Holy Spirit said that there will be people here today that need to be reminded our even our Lord got weary. Do not wonder what is wrong with you if you're feeling weary. You may be tired from the work. You may need a breather. You may need a refreshment. And he told me that those ministers of the gospel and the people of God that came here today and were weary were going to be refreshed because of the anointing that rests on this house. Look at your neighbor. Say, your weariness is over. I'm never moved by people's reaction. I'm moved by the spirit of the living God. And the enemy is trying to wear people out at a level I've never seen recently. I've had my own battle with weariness. And I'm telling you it's the enemy because we are getting ready to see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. What's going on in this nation is the biggest setup for the biggest move of God we have ever seen as the people of God. Hallelujah. Derek Prince prophesied over Wilmington, North Carolina, and we shall step in that prophecy. This is the season when the prophets have prophesied. We shall see it. But your depth of revival is measured by your depth of repentance. Go with me to that ancient city of Samaria. Almost a mile outside the city, our Lord was sitting and waiting. Changed everything for one woman. Sitting at the well, waiting and seeing her come toward him. And he was a rabbi, therefore he was dressed as a rabbi dresses. Sitting at the well and waiting to give this immoral, five times divorced, social outcast, an encounter that would not only change her life, but would change her entire city. It's amazing how theologians say that look at all of the scriptures, all the verses that is given into this woman that thought no one saw her. Can you imagine as she's walking to that well, she chose the noon of the day, the hottest day, hour of the day to go to the well because no one would bother her. She was in isolation because no one saw her. The five husbands had rejected her. The man she was living with was so sorry he wouldn't even get up and get his own water. Come on now, that's low. That's right, Mama Pat. And it's phenomenal how hard the Lord had to work to get to her. There's some of you sitting before me and those listening and the Lord has pursued you and pursued you and pursued you and pursued you and pursued you. And he will continue until the encounter he desires for you comes to pass. He's pursuing the church. He's pursuing us at the highest levels right now. He's saying, just wait to talk with me. I can handle everything that's hitting this nation. I can handle everything that's hitting this globe. 
Have an encounter with the Lord. That's what I love about Global River. I love I come in and children have flags. And everybody's praising God. And it's such a joyful time. It isn't sing three songs, sit in your seat and wait for the word. It's get up here, have an encounter with God, and get yourself ready to receive a word. Big difference. What an example the Lord is giving us to get out of our comfort zones, to get out of our mindsets. As one that goes into prisons and ministers in jails and ministers in prisons, I am often amazed at the power of God in a prison when hundreds of women inmates come together and start praising God, I am amazed at the power that shows up with these social outcasts in the United States of America. I am amazed that the strongest prophetic word I have ever received in my life was through a woman inmate. I don't know her name. I was just signing books, and I was giving her her book back. And she looked at me with fire in her eyes. And she spoke into existence the very thing that I had been operating in 10 years later from when she gave me that prophetic word. And I remember when she spoke into my eyes and she said, you don't want to do it. And God says, you don't have a choice because you are his daughter and you will walk in it whether you want to or not. I loved it. Don't sugarcoat it. Give me the word of God. I don't have time for you to figure out how to give it. Give me the word of God. And I remember I said, thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to see her in heaven one day. But these women that are locked up, know how to praise better than anybody I've ever seen. When they get a spiritual principle and they understand it's in the Word of God, you can't stop them. There are women inmates getting out early as we speak. There are women inmates getting miracles. They write the letters to my office. I'll never forget one service that I was at in Raleigh at the biggest prison in North Carolina. I will never forget when all of a sudden the fire of God hit that service. In prison, you are not allowed to take your shoes off. You're not allowed. The anointing of God hit me. The next thing I knew, I had kicked those four-inch stilettos so hard off of my feet. They were gone, and I jumped up on the first row, and I'm preaching, and I'm preaching, and I'm preaching, and I see the guards with big eyes, and I see the chaplain, the senior chaplain looking at me, and then all of a sudden, the power of God hit. Women got born again. Women were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was time for me to go. And I remember the senior chapel said, get your shoes on. You weren't supposed to take those off, but you were under such an anointing. The lieutenant looked at me and said, leave her alone. And I'm walking through the prison yard. The service had gone over. The guards were trying to get the women. They're not allowed on the yard during the darkness. And all of a sudden, I'm walking through, and I'm just praising God. You know what it's like when that anointing is so strong. You, you are so, you feel like you can fly out of there. And I just looked around, and women were just literally on their knees speaking in tongues. And guards were like this. And they were, I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. In a prison. In a prison. And we in the church are concerned how we might come across. Look back at Azusa Street. Look what they wrote about them. Shaking, falling, just worshiping. They said they were crazy. Well, I felt the power of God at that level, and it'll make you act crazy. Can I get a witness here? Yeah. 
this portion of Scripture has been used by theologians and pastors as an example of how to evangelize. As an example, Jesus is having this conversation with her. She doesn't want to give him water because he's a Jew. And he's saying, but do you understand who's sitting before you? That the very gift of life is sitting before you. And my water, you will never thirst again. Then she says, give me the water because I don't want to come here anymore. And he's like, you don't understand. Just like Nicodemus, the religious leader that did not understand. Jesus talked to the highest levels of the Pharisees and he talked to an immoral woman that was an outcast. And they're having this conversation and he starts breaking down those walls and breaking down those walls and showing her the love of God and breaking down her prejudice and breaking down her religion and asking, should we worship here? I see you're a prophet. You know I've had five husbands and you know I'm shacking up right now. So let me ask you a question. I don't think that was the time to ask, are we supposed to worship at Mount Gerizim? Or are we supposed to worship in Jerusalem? And he said, there will come a time when you will neither worship in Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. There will come a time by the Spirit of the living God that you will worship, I am paraphrasing, where you are because the Spirit of the living God rests within you. You can worship in a prison. You can worship in a hospital. You can worship in a church. You can worship in your home. You can worship in Harris Teeter. You can worship in Walmart. You can worship at the gas station. You can worship in your yard. You can worship in your bathroom. You can worship on a sick bed. You can worship wherever you are. Woo! And then she said, I know that the Messiah will come and he will tell us all things. And all theologians agree that she was the first person on the planet that he revealed he was the Messiah. He chose a woman. They were not even supposed to be spoken to in public. He was a rabbi. His career would have been over if he had not been the Messiah. And when he said, I am he that speaks to you. Let me tell you something. When you realize who you serve, and you realize the power that you have within you, you may be weary today, but God wants to refresh you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords lives within you. And this woman, the Bible says that she left her water pot. The anointing had hit her so strong that she was no longer thirsting for the things of this world. The anointing of God hit her so strong. I don't know about you, but I've been there before. I thirsted for man's approval. I thirsted for what they thought about me. And one day I was in my living room, and I got on my face and I said, please forgive me because you are the great I am. I won't back down. I won't hush. I won't try to preach quiet. I was not born quiet. I will be what you want me to be. I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I was not called by man. Therefore, I don't care what he thinks about me anymore. Throw your water pots down today. Throw.
bow them down and do not thirst for the things of the world when the righteousness of God lives within you and you have right standing with the Messiah of the world and he that created you. He sees you. When she understood it was Jesus. And you know, she, they had a mighty long conversation. It's not recorded, everything that was said. When I get to heaven, I'm going to tell an angel, John chapter 4, don't leave anything out. I want to know what she did. I want to see her life. That she was so powerful that the Lord broke through every barrier they held during that day to go and say to her, I see you. I see you. When you realize that you're loved by Jesus, when you realize that you're walking in his call, the enemy's just mad. When you realize how special you are, be like John, he loves me the best. I remember one time Dave said something I didn't like, and I said, God loves me the best. Don't make him strike you down right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, he said, for you to submit to me. I said, all right, all right, I'll calm down. But you can say that. You can say that. I said that to someone in, that was over a public arena with the girls that we were trying to rescue. And I said, listen, you don't want to mess with me because I've got a rich daddy that takes good care of me and wants what I want. <laughs> they didn't know I was talking about Jesus. They didn't need to know that. <laughs> but Father God loves you that much. I remember I was in prison one time, and the Lord said, Tell them I care about their wants. You know, we always hear, well, he'll, he gives you all, his need, all your needs are met, but they're met according to his riches and glory. Your needs are, he can meet a lot more than you think. And I, I, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, If you want chocolate, ask him. Chocolate, amen, Katie, I do too. Had Katie over to my house, and I had all kinds of chocolate awaiting the queen's arrival. <laughs> and I remember I said that, but in prison, chocolate's very hard to get. And I'll never forget, I got a letter. I got a letter from an inmate, and she said, I said to myself, that woman's crazy. That God cares about that I want chocolate? And she said, I went back and I sat down on my bed and I said, okay. Either she's crazy or she isn't. But I do want some chocolate. She said, all of a sudden, a woman walked by and stopped and said, all right, here, take my chocolate. You understand? Do you think that's too hard for God? There's nothing too hard for him. And this Samaritan woman grasped that. This woman was an outcast. Again, even in Samaria, women were not allowed to speak publicly. And this woman ran to the men of the city that she wasn't even supposed to be talking to and said, Come see a man. He's told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Can you imagine a woman that nobody would even go to the well with? A woman that all the husbands said, you better stay away from her now. You know she's a problem. You know she's had five husbands. You know she's shucking and bucking all the time. You know you better leave her alone. And she went to the men. And was under such an anointing of God that they had to listen to her. They had to listen to her. When you truly understand who the Messiah is and that he sees you, then you 
won't be intimidated to talk to who God tells you to talk to. And this woman went to the men, and the men came out to see Jesus, and they were so moved by him. He stayed two more days. There was a major revival in that city, and many of the Samaritans believed. Many of the Samaritans, the outcast. The ones that people look down upon. The Holy Spirit reminded me last night. In the wee hours of the morning, he said, remember when the religious leaders came up and a lawyer came up to trip Jesus up, talking about um, the two greatest commandments. And he answered, the love your God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus said, who's your neighbor? And the neighbor was a Samaritan. The very one they despised. Jesus sees. Jesus sees you. He loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to refresh you, my missionary friends. He wants to show you who you are to heal. He wants to heal things spoken over you that were lies and falsehoods that you believed over your very self. He wants to change all of that so that you can walk with a heavenly swagger. And when you step into a building, when I feel that anointing, sometimes it hits me, Pastor Tom, in my house. I'm like, woo! I'm a daughter of the most high God. I mean, I get myself stirred up sometimes. Preach to myself, fall out, catch myself, even take my offering if he tells me to. I'm telling you, when you understand who you are and how loved you are by God, he sees you. I'm radical. I'm so radical, and I hate that spirit of cancer. I was thinking about, didn't your song talk about scars? I was thinking about whenever, and I'm wrapping it up, whenever I had the um, double mastectomy, and I was a part of me, I noticed when I looked in the mirror, I would look here up. I'd get out of the shower, I'm here up. Because cut from here to here, very, very ugly scars. And I remember the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean what I'm doing? Acting like he doesn't know what I was doing. You know, I'm going to be in denial. I'm going to be in the land of Sychar right there acting drunk. I don't know what I was doing. And he said, stand in front of a mirror. Stand in front of a mirror. And all of a sudden, those scars became beautiful. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, you will never find a warrior that has been fighting at high levels that don't have a scar. And I remember when he said that to me, I jumped back. I said, devil, you may have scarred me. You may have took my body parts from me, but I'm going to get them back in heaven, and they're going to be even better than when they got taken. But I'm a warrior now, and I'm ready for the next fight. Out of nowhere, and I, I, I just, I, I hate cancer, and I have a little Frenchie. And God loves animals. People say, well, Jennifer, you think there's going to be animals in heaven? I said, you got to be kidding. I said, he built an ark for a bunch of animals and only eight people. What do you think? What do you think? They said, well, I've never thought about it like that. I said, um, I didn't either. It just hit me. 
So, yes, you love your puppy dogs. I know we're going to get emails. Take it up with Jesus. He's coming on a white horse. You're going to take his horse away? And all of a sudden, my little Frenchy bulldog, who's actually Big Daddy's dog, got him for Father's Day. He bonded with me. I said, you know, favor ain't fair, Dave. You just, Dave, you're going to have to get over it. And all of a sudden, this tumor came up over his foot. And then the vet said he has cancer. I could not believe it. I said, the devil's a liar. And I cried a little bit. I couldn't believe it. And then it hit me, oh, no, 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 no. That spirit's trying to take out our dog now. And I said, Dave, and a friend of mine called and said, the Holy Spirit said to do this, 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 and this. And Dave, I said, talk over this property, and you tell that spirit of cancer to leave our dog. All of a sudden, he said, you leave, Mr. Cheese, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of cancer. Then the Holy Spirit said, anoint him without anointing oil. Pull out your healing scriptures. Say the word of God over him. He laid beside us, played healing scriptures over him for night after night after night after night. Went back to the vet. She called me because, you know, it's COVID-19. You can't go in a vet's office anymore. She called me. She said, we can't find the tumor. It's completely gone. This is a miracle. I mean, he cares about your puppy dog, your kitty cat, your hamster, your mouse. If you love it, even if you love a snake, I don't like snakes, but if you love a snake and pray over the snake, can I get a witness here? I'm trying to make a point. He sees you. Move in faith. If it's not your time to go, mm -mm. believe in the word. The Holy Spirit says, I see you. He saw the Samaritan woman. She changed an entire town. She went from a nobody to a superstar because she realized God saw her. This kept coming to me so strong last night, and I asked the Holy Spirit to anoint me to truly say this with how he would have you understand that God sees you. And he sees those that are being oppressed. He sees those that great injustice is being done to. He sees us. There was an African-American man in the early 1900s. And he had a thirst for God like no other. He went to a Bible college, but because of the laws and the color of his skin, he could not go into the classroom with other people. And he was made to sit in the hall, and he had to hear the Word of God in the hall behind a door because of the color of his skin. But I'm telling you, God saw it. And this great man of God's name, and he is the father of the Pentecostal movement. And because of him, God literally birthed Pentecostalism and charismatic as we walk in today. God saw him in that hall being put out that he was not worthy to hear the word of God in a classroom. And he moved to California and Los Angeles he began a Bible study out of his home, and the power of God hit his house, and so many people gathered. They stood on the porch to the porch collapsed, and they said, we must have a building. And William Seymour led the greatest outpouring, the greatest revival that this nation has ever experienced. God saw him in that hall, thirsting after God, saying, use me for your glory. God saw him, and God said, I will use you mightily.
mentally, I see the injustice. I see the oppression. I see the racism. I will use you to change this world. God sees you. Point your face right, finger right in your neighbor's face and say, God sees you. He sees what is happening. I'm going to read you one quote I wrote down from him as I close. Thank you, Holy Spirit. After his services started, and they would have 1,500 people there. This revival went from 1906 to 1915. And I love what he wrote. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. He's enjoying my father, Reverend Roy Ballon. They're having fun. I can hear my daddy. You ought to hear my white girl preach. <laughs> She's a spitfire. This is a quote by him that says it all about the power of God and about anyone trying to stand against another race. I'm quoting him. In a short time, God began to manifest his power, and soon the building could not contain the people. Now the meetings continued all day and into the night, and the fire is kindling all over the city and the surrounding towns. Proud, well-dressed preachers came to investigate. Soon their high looks are replaced with wonder. Their conviction comes, and very often you will find them in a short time wallowing on the dirty floor, asking God to forgive them and make them as little children. That is our heart's cry, to become like little children and realize that he sees us. He sees every pain today. I've stood in many, many prisons, and I've never laid hands on a soul, but the sweeping of the Holy Spirit healed everyone. You do not need that I lay my hands on you when Jesus sees you, and I'm not against laying hands. But there's a move coming, and this building will be so full that you can't lay hands on people anymore. And he's getting us ready. So if you need a touch from God, just stand to your feet right now. In the name of Jesus, Jesus sees you. He sees the weariness that's strong in my spirit right now. I speak in the name of Jesus. Would you come and play, you anointed, or whatever you do? I'm sorry. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I'll look back there. I was like, oh, my goodness, they removed the keyboard. Just bow your head and put your hands up. Receive from the Lord. I break that spirit of weariness, the torment of you missed it and you should have done this and you should have done that. I break that in Jesus' name. I thank God that our brother Kent Powell shall be refreshed at the highest levels. I thank you that the fire will come upon him as never before. He has worked diligently. He and Andrea have worked so diligently. And just like when Jesus sat at the well... I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, you're weary because you've worked so hard. But I speak in the name of Jesus 
for every lying spirit to be broken. And I command in the name of Jesus the wells to be open for finances and refreshings and honor that God desires to give you. I speak to the spirit of weariness that's here over every person. As there's heavy oppression through the COVID-19, there's oppression through this awful racism that's being exposed. There's disturbing images that calls us to weep, calls us to wail, calls us to cry out to God. Refresh your people, Lord. They have been busy crying out. It's tiresome to fight the enemy. Refresh them, God. Any sickness, any spirit of cancer, diabetes, inflammation in the body, depression, chemical imbalance, anoint the meds as never before, God. You get in wisdom, but we stand for a miracle. Anoint everything that goes in your people's bodies, God. You give doctors wisdom. I'm asking you, God, to heal broken bones, hips heal. I'm asking you, God, for a refreshing of the Spirit. Let fire hit as never before. Let people linger in your presence, God. Generational curses broken off your family lines right now in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit released. Mm. Thank you, God, for refreshing your people. I'm hearing it again. Refresh your people. Refresh your warriors. Heal their bodies. Heal their minds. Witchcraft spirits that's been assigned, we break in the name of Jesus Christ. Broken. Holy Spirit, restore prodigals back to their families. Set people free in this service of any addiction in the name of Jesus Christ. Set them free now in Jesus' name. Financial needs are in this house, God. Bless above and beyond just like you did that chocolate in prison, God. Provide. Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down. Thank you, God. I feel a wind moving. <laughs> There's a wind moving over God's people. A refreshing, an anointing, a power. The signs and wonders will follow. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Anoint us to move at the highest levels, God. Give the shadow anointing to your people, God. Every infirmity in this house and looking online, I speak in the name of Jesus. Total healing in Jesus' name. Cancer bowing in Jesus' name. Lupus bowing in Jesus' name. Thyroid issues, blood disorders, the lame walking in Jesus' name. The blind seeing in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, rain down on your people. Rain down on your people. Just receive. There's angelic hosts everywhere. Just receive from God right now. Hallelujah. Every eye closed. If you do not know without a doubt that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you've accepted Him into your heart, that you've had a life change. Not that you've had a run in with Jesus, but you've run to Jesus. I ask that today you seal that. That if you need to know without a doubt that you are born again, just lift your hands. And those watching us, make him your Lord and Savior. 
It is glorious to serve the Lord. It is glorious, Pastor. God bless you all. I've been hearing the name Jacob. I don't know if it's someone listening by live stream or there's a Jacob in this house. Are there any Jacobs in this house? But I believe the Lord, just like he did in the Old Testament, there's a transformation over Jacob right now. I've got a nephew named Jacob. He's in New York right now. Lord, I just pray for the transformation, the transition that is taking place in the Jacob life right now in Jesus' name. The revelation of the angels ascending and descending like he did at Bethel. This is the very house of God, and I didn't even know it. He laid his head, and he didn't know it. God, I pray right now that no one leaves here without the transformation of the presence of God. If there's ever been a racial issue in your life, any hatred, generational hatred, it's not just between black and white. It goes a whole lot deeper. I've seen it in Nepal between the Hindus and the Christians. I've seen it between the Native Americans, between Jew and Gentile. That spirit's got to come down in the name of Jesus. There's no room for that in the kingdom of God. I don't care how you want to justify it. There is no room for it. It will not be tolerated by the king of kings. You're going to go one way or another. So I'm warning us that we come to a place of repentance. God, I thank you that you're a God of grace. We're all in a messy place all the time. We need grace. That's why Jesus came. He tolerated those disciples in such, they were so pridefully arrogant. And he worked with them. And then he breathed on them. And then he transformed them. God, I pray this morning, freedom from that stuff that's holding us back. I want to invite the ministry team, if you'll come and if you need prayer this morning, don't leave the house. And I do really want to invite you to come, if you can, downtown at the waterfront there, right by the federal building steps by the river, 4 o'clock, just one hour. Get there a little bit early. I'm sure you'll find parking just one hour. Let's build the wall in this city. Let's build the wall in this city. God, we thank you. God bless you. Don't forget Wednesday night. Monday night, men's group will be here. We've also got... Uh, I think it's the women's group, right, also tomorrow night? What? What? No, that's the following week. Anyway, yeah. So, Lord, just come Wednesday night for the book study of Jude. God bless you all. We love you. Thank you for being here. Bless those on live stream. Thank you, Jennifer. Praise God. Hallelujah.